3: Come back. It is Cannabis Hour Season 2. I was about to do that, but that's 4. Two, <laughs> season 2, 2021. I'm excited. I got my co-host here, Tony Noto. Mr. Anthony,
1: how are you, sir? How was your New Year's? New Year's was good. It was quiet here in uh, our Manhattan abode. Just me, the missus, and the puppy. Uh, normally, I'm a big party guy on New Year's. I love New Year's. But uh, this time around, we uh, just had a little bit of uh, bourbon, just me and the missus. We watched Mm. When Harry Met Sally and uh, played with the puppy, and we had some really good dinner. Oh, man. What'd you cook? What did I cook on New Year's? And was Uh, cannabis
3: infused in it? I mean, that's the
1: main question, right? No. I have yet to get that (laughs) CBD pasta. Every, oh time my we, God, the pasta. <laughs> every time we host a show together we got to bring up the cbd pasta which has yet to make it into my kitchen
3: obviously the two of us need to do a little homework and do a little uh e-commerce shopping for some yeah. cbd pasta uh, that's I, incredible I made, I made
1: some really good steak actually so it was a Ooh. really good steak how dinner. do you cook new- your steak new york strip um how do i cook it i cook it on on a grill man no 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 no. like where, what temperature oh, okay. bloody as hell a boy a boy <laughs> if you say well done we're not
3: friends no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> and, <laughs> awesome. I, and i
1: wouldn't blame you i
3: wouldn't blame you <laughs> i appreciate your uh, your acceptance of that uh yeah. everybody thank you so much for sticking around we're super excited to have you to the pre-market prep folks to the folks that just tune in to us uh we have fun here we talk to three industry leaders every week thursdays at four eastern standard time as you are well aware uh these are a new fashion statement blue light glasses so that I don't go blind by the age of 32, but I will dispose of them for this. Um, Where'd you go? (laughs) I know, what? Superman. Um, No, but we have, honestly, a pretty, really fun show. Pretty, really fun show. And Uh, a newsy
1: show. It's very timely that we have these guests because uh, we broke news earlier this week that the two companies that we're featuring on this episode uh, have gone public. So to have them on our show today is very, very timely. So I'm very happy about that. As a news yeah. guy, as a news yes. junkie, as a, as an editor
3: of cannabis news, you must be on cloud nine right now. But cloud, you cloud know, eight, seven not, or eight, I think. Not to overstep our first guest, though, one who has pretty incredible insights into California. Uh, you know, we're gonna get his thoughts on some recent happenings. And I do want to mention it's been a, been a pretty crazy uh last what 30 24 hours 30 hours oh yeah just i, I thought um, it was just
1: our average week in in america yeah, we're nothing gonna, we're big happened
3: we're gonna call it 2020 uh had a little growth spurt and just extended a few days yeah. uh and maybe we start the new year today yeah. uh but you know we we want to say we're happy to be here with you all uh you know we want to continue to monitor the news and be a leader in the cannabis industry and continue to bring you the education and information that we're gonna get here today. But Tony, to start off, uh, do you wanna talk about maybe some of the movers this week?
1: Absolutely, the movers and shakers of the cannabis industry, first and foremost. Um, well, I mean, the big news, we gotta tackle it right now because mm-hmm. we're, I'm in New York, uh, you're a New Yorker in your own right. Uh, Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo made uh, grabbed headlines this week and uh, he's gonna start putting in motion a plan for recreational cannabis, At so point. New York did not wait long after New Jersey voted <laughs> for cannabis <laughs> to be like, wait, whoa, 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 we're cool too. Like hey. you can't, Jersey's not going to get one up on New York, okay? You knew it was going to happen. And it then, was going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, go I, ahead. I, I didn't think it was going He was going to do it that quickly though, but it's kind of cool that he did. Yeah. And uh, some other news today: um, Vario acquired four med- medical cannabis licenses in Nevada, so that was pretty cool. Uh, BioQuest is listing on the OTCQB market, and it plans to target nutraceutical cannabis companies, so it's going to be very M&A hungry going Ooh. into uh, February, or, well, 2021 Is this in the general. year
3: of consolidation? We all thought it was last year when we started.
1: Actually, it's funny you ask. Uh, We have a feature on deck for tomorrow by uh, Yelena Martinovic and Nina uh, uh, Zizek. uh, They both teamed up to write a feature about how M&A is going to see an uptick in 2021. And there's more to the feature than that, but there's a chunk in there about how this is going to be the year of consolidation. Two discussions we're all having, M&A and the
3: creative ways companies are are going public, have gone public, and are, are about to go public. Yeah, uh, it's 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 interesting stuff. So uh, anyway, do you have any more movers or shaker news for us before we get to Alex?
1: No, so long as we don't have to talk about any fomenting sedition, I'm, I'm OK. No, so. let's
3: let's let's stick to cannabis and psychedelics for this show. Yeah, uh, to, to the good stuff. Right. Uh, awesome. Well, let's bring over our first guest. I'm really excited. Uh, Alex has been a friend of ours for uh gosh probably a year now uh we've known the nootropic folks they're doing some really cool uh really exciting things in in the extraction space and the technology space i'm excited to talk to them uh is alex coming over not sure oh i didn't even talk about my background winning is the game and also oh jason rasnick i wanted to bring him in because he was the one who started this cannabis hour show uh you know this was his dream and Tony and I have had the pleasure of teaming up on this several times but Jason Rasnick, you're here in spirit my friend but Alex is here with us in person virtually how are you oh are you muted there my friend oh there we go I'm doing great how you guys
2: doing hey Elliot
3: <laughs> Hey, we're well. We're well. It's kicking off the show. Uh, kicking off the year, I should say, with a great show. That's Alex, great. I don't want to take your time up, my friend. I want to dive right into to you and Nootropic. Can you give us a little insight on your background uh, leading into your company?
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And by the way, I was pretty fired up after that intro. You guys are uh, waking me up. <laughs> oh, uh, we don't need yeah. coffee. <laughs> So, yeah, so so my background is almost all in, in technology. I've been building enterprise software and technology companies since the mid-90s. So I consider myself, or at least, you know, I would have considered myself a neophyte to cannabis. I've been in the industry since about uh, uh, 2015, so that's going on six years now. Uh, that feels like a long time to me, but uh, I do with a lot of people that, you know, that feels like uh, a flash in the pan. But, You're a veteran. So I've been in the industry for, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel <laughs> like that now. I definitely have the uh, war wounds to prove it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I've I've been in in manufacturing in cannabis now for for going on five years.
3: Excellent, fantastic. So, Nootropic, can you give us a little insight into what you're doing there?
2: Yeah. So, Nootropic. You know, the, the one big thing. I. You know, I'll keep this kind of short and sweet. But you know, I spent a lot of time when I first got in the in the space trying to understand what was going on. And one of the big deficiencies that we saw in the marketplace was around manufacturing. We felt like there were a lot of brands. Uh, coming into the marketplace that are going to need a good place to, to go to actually manufacture products with consistent quality and at scale, uh, and that we felt that that was a big missing piece in, in the industry. So uh, we spent the last uh, four years really building a contract manufacturing and supply chain uh, model for the industry that allows brands to plug into our platform, and we handle everything for them. We handle the sourcing of the material, the construction of their their products, their specifications, coordination of testing, Uh, fulfillment down to the retailers. We really want to be a one-stop kind of logistics shop for them to to handle all of those processes and allow them to focus on demand generation at at retail. You know, building a brand in California is no joke. We want you to be able to to focus as a brand on on getting consumers to want to buy your products and we'll take care of all those, those complex logistics.
1: You know, you often hear about entrepreneurs concentrating on one thing specifically so they can get really good at that one thing. How challenging was it to become a one-stop shop, and what was that timeline like to be able to offer all of those services?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I still feel feel like we're very focused on our brand partner success, um, and we've been, you know, we we haven't been doing cultivation historically. We're going to start to get into that uh, probably in twenty twenty one for a bunch of reasons that can take longer to describe in this fifteen minutes. But uh, but in general, we've been very focused on the manufacturing piece specifically in handling that. Uh, we actually think we are very focused in that we don't build our own brands. We don't handle all that uh, marketing and, and demand generation. We are not a retailer. We we are not a fulfillment agent to deliver products uh, to the retailers. We don't do a lot of those things that some of these kind of vertically integrated MSOs do handle. Um, we're, we're trying to stay laser focused on the manufacturing and the provisioning of supplies into the marketplace. Uh, so... It is still a lot, though. I mean, we do everything from making pre-rolls to packaging flour, hydrocarbon concentrates, cold water extracts, vape carts—you name it. We're, we're building pretty much every product you see on the shelf. So, from a, from a supply chain standpoint, it's still enormously complicated. Uh, and I can't imagine loading more in the team when, when it comes to to biting off different parts of the of the uh, supply chain right now. Yeah. Wow.
3: Now, are you just in California?
2: We are actually, we're we're in Northern California. We supply brands that distribute all over the state. So we are um, you know, from northern down to Southern California, supplying the entire market., uh, we are actively right now working on a Massachusetts market penetration. We've been working on getting uh, a facility financed in Central mass uh, with a target of getting that uh, that operation live sometime in 2022. So we definitely have national ambition. Uh, we've just been trying to uh, crack the hardest nut, which I think is California.
1: Well, give us an idea to what brands you're partnering with. I mean, I saw that uh, Biscotti Brands is uh, in partnership with you. I say Biscotti because I'm Italian. Uh, and Stone Road. <laughs> we got Stone yeah. Road in there. Uh, any yeah. other partnerships on deck or what other companies you're yeah. working
2: with? Yeah, we've been working with Old Pal, uh Sherbinskis is a recent addition. We've been working with uh, Candescent. Uh, we've got about 14 or 15 brands right now. We just onboarded Amura, uh, Click, um, so we're starting to get into some other kind of delivery systems that people are coming up with, that are I think are a little bit more innovative uh, than just your standard pre-rolls. Um, but but in general, yeah, we're it's very expensive for us to onboard a client. We are really targeting brands that have kind of north of at least $100,000 a month of sales because uh, otherwise if they're smaller than that, it's very very expensive and difficult for us to onboard and support those clients um, so we we tend to focus on people who are who have gotten to some sort of sales velocity in the marketplace but now need to really grow and get much larger much more quickly uh, and that's where we really shine is, is scaling these operations up
3: when opening up in a new market uh, are, are there companies in that market that you're targeting uh, first? Or, or how does that work when you expand into a new market? Or do you have to have a presence there before you target brands? I'm curious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think going into Massachusetts is going to be an interesting test of this theory we've had, which is that we we believe California brands will um, uh, carry some level of pricing advantage in those markets. I think there's generally a perception, which I think is accurate, that uh, California brands, we grow better wheat out here, we make better products, we're more consistent. Um, all those things. I I think that's actually an accurate representation. Um, So I think that as we go into these other markets, I think there's going to be a hunger for California brands. And I think we enable those brands to, again, focus on uh, building market uh, adoption of those brands in those new markets. But they're not doing it right now, right? Most markets um, are very regionally driven, brands are very regionally driven. And we think that's going to uh, take probably another five or 10 years to really break up. I, I think it's going to take some time before you see really true national brands. You know, I think Cookies has done an excellent job of this. Um, you know, but honestly, I don't know many brands outside of Cookies that has managed to accomplish this this feat. And I'd say in large part, I think Cookies has done that because they're, they're an asset-like model, right? They don't own licenses. They're simply a brand that's very, very portable. They can move into another market very, very easily. Uh, and that's the, the kind of solution we're looking to provide, right? We want to be the underlying platform, the infrastructure that goes into all these markets and allows these brands to very rapidly move from one jurisdiction to another without having to go through that substantial time and, and capital investment of getting those facilities up and running.
3: Interesting. So Massachusetts doesn't seem like a similar market to California uh, to me. Uh, it, I could be wrong there, but I'm curious if you all were considering other markets as well or why jump full coast to coast?
2: I mean, i feel like there's really california and i think oregon's a somewhat similar market but i think you know these two markets are very much uh of a specific culture and i think you look at every other market and it's going to have a different culture in a different way you're going to approach that market um different brands are going to be more successful in, in those markets depending depending on who the kind of demographic is they're targeting um, but in general, I'd say that as long as you're walking into those markets with this kind of cachet that we are a California brand, we know what we're doing, we grow the best weed in the world, we make the best cannabis-derived products in the world, uh, you should at least try it. Um, I, I think it's a it's a situation where you know, the vast majority of, of brands are going to be dominant 10 years from now, um, either A, are just getting started literally in California or some of these other markets, or they don't even exist yet. So I think this whole exercise around branding and, and who's going to be a dominant brand, um, 95% of those brands aren't even here yet.
1: Wow. Yeah, the playing field is wide open. Is that
2: accurate? I think that's definitely accurate. I mean, I, I look at you know, a lot of people talk to me about MSOs and, and who's been successful in other markets like Florida, you know, Leaf, Cresco, you know, Cureleaf, all these guys. And I think, you know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen when they actually go head to head with some of these more robust California brands. Um, You know, because I feel like it's something to be said when you're competing in what is essentially a monopoly or or oligopoly market. Um, It's not always that you've got the best product or the best marketing. You just happen to be the only option. Right. So so I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, especially given what's going on federally now, as you start to see more and more of these brands start to expand from their local jurisdiction into other markets and how that adoption occurs and and how much appetite you're seeing uh, for those brands translate from one market to another. So so I agree. Massachusetts is very, very different. I still think they're going to like good weed and good products like anyone. Uh, So we'll see what happens.
3: I like that. Um, So, you know, moving in into more of your background and, you know, does your software give you an edge up your software background, I should say, give you an edge up in the ever-evolving tech? Because I feel like in the manufacturing space, I see a new article at least once a month about new technology or a new equipment, uh, so on and so forth. Is that, something that, uh, is, is that something that maybe gave you
2: inspiration to get into this space? I think it certainly impacts the way in which I look at building value in the business, right? To me, at the end of the day, um, it's about operating scale and repeatability I mean, I feel like, you know, I go through this a lot with investors and, and uh, people we, we interact with in the market. And, you know, because a lot of, you know, I, I'm very aggressive about our growth plans, right? I, I think there's, this model is needed in every single adult use market in the country and ultimately globally to really provide a platform to allow these brands to expand internationally and ultimately become very big players. And to do that, that means part of the skill set of Nootropic has to be, how do we productize what we're doing in California take that into other markets and do so in a repeatable way, such that we're constantly getting better, more efficient and expanding margins, you know, expanding our our ability to scale. And all I I think is very kind of technology centric. And the other thing I'd say is also the way in which I look at this, right? I don't look at us as a contract manufacturer, right? I I think that's that's a component of what we do. Our job is to make brands successful and it's to provide them a suite of products and services that's gonna make them more effective in the market. and that means it's, that's why we provide this kind of financial services underpinning to the business, this, you know, whip and, and receivables financing. Um, but that's going to continue to expand. We're going to continue to provide kind of a set of things that uh, brands can use to get competitive advantage in the marketplace. Um, and that, to me, is very much driven from kind of a platform view of the world. How do you build a durable, scalable platform for people to plug in? And I, you know, I refer to us as, as effectively like the AWS of cannabis, right? We, we want to provide this underlying platform for us, anyone to plug in, and kind of infinitely scale their business, and not have to worry about these kind of underlying complex logistics. We deal with that. So, so I think that's all, all from my background.
3: I have one more quick question, and then I know Tony wants to hit on some some business side of things. Uh, we have a question from the chat, actually. Uh, which companies are best positioned to dominate a fragmented California market? Um, do you agree with the fragmented part and are you able to give us some insight into those specific companies? Interesting.
2: Yeah. I, I think that the market is obviously very fragmented, right? I mean, I think if you look at the largest companies in California right now, uh, in general, they're all doing kind of sub a couple hundred million dollars of revenue. There's a few exceptions, folks like herbal who, you know, I think is, uh, is up over $300 million. Uh, again, they're a distributor. So, uh, you know, no knock on the model, but it's a much easier model to scale up the amount of product you're producing when when you're moving product around like that. But But I think if you look overall, th- these are all markets uh, and and players in the markets who are tiny in compared to any other CPG business. You know you walk into Procter and Gamble and say you've got a three hundred million dollars business, and that's a pretty tiny business from from their perspective. So so I think cannabis still has a long way to go before you say there's really clear market leaders and market consolidation has had a significant impact. And you're seeing consolidation yield real benefits in terms of scale and operating efficiency. So I, I think we're very early on, it's a very fragmented market. Um, you know, honestly, I, I think that I admire what the Cookies guys are doing. I, I think they've taken a very intelligent approach to the market. It's a very, very asset light business, right? I, mean, I think they've got five people on their, on their payroll <laughs> or something. And, you know, the amount of uh, work they've been able to do to, to kind of build exposure for that brand and create value with that brand has been nothing short of phenomenal. Uh, I look at people like Raw Garden, um, while I don't entirely agree with the, the business model in, in terms of being fully vertically integrated, I think they've done a fantastic job of, of kind of scaling their operation and, and making a real difference in the market. Um, honestly, outside of that, I have not seen many people um, you know, effectively tackle this market. I, I, I feel like California has been a real petri dish uh, for people uh, but it's it's a very, very complicated market, not just from a regulatory standpoint, but from a competition standpoint. There's no other market on earth I think you've got such a robust black market, which is to me the the primary competitor for all of us uh, in the legal market. Nowhere is that market so pervasive and so difficult to compete with because it's, it's something that's been a part of the kind of ecosystem in California for 20, 30 years and a very robust player in the market. I mean, you're talking about, you know, North of 12, $15 billion have been moving through the black market annually every year. So that, that's just to me, the kind of 800 pound gorilla. So, so I feel like everyone's essentially competing with the black market, right? That, that, is, that is our number one competitor. You know, I, I look at some of these other guys in the market and, you know, let's talk about who are you competing with? I'm not competing with anyone I'm, other than the black market. right? That is the, the number one people, person we gotta worry about.
3: Yeah,
1: Tony, do you wanna give one quick, real quick question about uh, business? Yeah, well, give us an idea as to what uh, financing is like. Uh, I think we have you for maybe a, a minute and a half left. Uh, take some big bucks to do what you're doing. You have, you compared yourself to AWS, but you don't have that Bezos bucks. Where, where, where are we on fundraising?
2: Uh, yeah, well, so, so we've raised quite a bit of, bit of money. We're, we're gonna make an announcement here fairly shortly about some cash that we're closing. We're just in the process of wrapping up a round that, that's been open for some time. Um, most of the, the capital we've raised, frankly, has been in the form of debt right? We produce a lot of product. We have to provide this underlying financial mechanism for our brands to handle, again, all this work in progress and receivables. And it's one of, the, frankly, the biggest challenges we face as, as an entity in which we're building these products, but we're the license holder, So we own all the products. It all sits in our balance sheets. So we got we to handle all of those working capital requirements. Um, and, and that process, I think, is something that requires enormous amounts of, of cash. Uh, so, but it's it's also cash that should be collateralized. So it's stuff that we can we can raise from from debt holders. And part of the reason why I'm so excited about what's going on federally is I think that you're going to see a loosening of kind of the the uh, the roadblocks that prevented banking and uh, better, more rational federal tax policy towards mm. cannabis, which I think is going to dramatically reduce the cost of capital. I mean, it, you're you're seeing in cannabis cost of capital range literally from kind of 25 up to 50 percent um in a marketplace that is is very margin tight so i look at it and go you know california is basically a marketplace in which a lot of people in real estate and providing credit facilities have made a lot of money whereas the operators have really been strangled for cash Mm -hmm. and i think this is ultimately going to build a lot more liquidity in the in the marketplace uh uh specifically for debt and that's going to have a an outsized influence on very specifically markets like california
3: Awesome. We do have to wrap up, with Alex, but obviously you're a wealth of knowledge, my friend, and it's always good to talk to you. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Happy New Year. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get you back on our quote unquote virtual stage uh, super soon, my friend. you be well.
2: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Tony, Elliot,
3: Thanks. appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys. Uh, you know, awesome.
1: It was cool that he mentioned uh, cookies because they grabbed headlines this week too. Next Green Wave Holdings did a supply and production deal with them, so yep. maybe we got to get Burner on the show soon. We
3: got to get Ryan back then too.
1: Uh, maybe we can get oh, that'd be
3: fun. Cookies, I swear they come up in every conversation I have. It seems <laughs> <laughs> those guys are doing something right. Um, but honestly, Alex is great. Al- Alex has a wealth of um, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, but Aaron, let's go ahead and get Jason over uh let's go keep moving uh but maybe let's let's come back to him at the very end of the show but everybody make sure you check out nootropic uh they're an awesome company uh yes. do we have uh, the one
4: and only mr mitchell big week for you man how are you i'm doing all right how are you guys nice to meet you guys by the way thanks for having yeah.
1: me on <laughs> it's you a too, to meet us too.
4: <laughs> <laughs> easy on your ego tony
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a no, softball joke that was such a softball
3: it, it was good it was jason right. i have a big question for you Sure. Do you feel different
4: than you did last week? To be honest, you know, this is the first company that I've personally taken public, right? So for me, you know, you get these, uh, everybody congratulating you, and I'm like, really? I said, because now the hard work begins, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, now, it's funny. I had somebody pull me aside and say, okay, so you know what happens once you go public, right? And I'm like, now you need to perform. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Not, nothing pressure. heavy there. You know? <laughs> no pressure at all. So, yeah. Do I feel different? Yeah, you know, it, it's really an honor, honestly, that we have such a large investor base that believes in us, trusts in us. And we were able to directly list on the TSX and that in itself was an honor. And so we're, we're just excited, you know, I mean, we have what we believe is a really good plan and we can't wait to pull it off and execute it and raising capital this way and expanding our audience, um, to a larger base of an investor community and exposure to our company. I think is just going to have some really good things, um, that can help us build this company in the future, but we're incredibly excited.
3: Yeah. And just so everybody knows real quick, and then Tony, you can get to your question TSX, CBD.U is the ticker uh, for hemp fusion. Everybody keep that in the back of your head. Sorry, Tony, go ahead.
1: No, good, that was good that we got that in there. And I just wanted to ask about the timing. Uh, It's pretty perfect that you guys got that Monday news uh, just before the big upheaval of the 24 hour news cycle. I mean, did you kind of breathe a sigh of relief that you were able to, I don't know, have some time in the spotlight when other companies are probably you know, pushing the pause button on their news announcements?
4: Well, you know, we have a really amazing investor relations team and they really just were trying to pay attention to the news and what things were going to happen. And of course, we want to be highlighted. We want people to hear about what's unique about us and so forth and what we're about to do. And yeah, Wednesday was a little bit of a interesting, uh, interesting day to say the least. And we're just happy that, you know, we did get the attention that we did. So, you know, when it comes to timing, I don't think anybody could have timed it as perfectly from a market perspective, right, and and I and I'd love to say that oh we knew we had a crystal ball. No, we, <laughs> we just we went along the process and we had indications earlier this year, about mid year, that coming up would be a really good time. We believe it would be um, as it relates to the ebbs and flows of what's going to happen with FDA guidance coming up, and I think people are all waiting for that, and I think that's going to be a very important milestone for hemp and CBD and. So we just we timed it the best way we could but to be honest there's so much work to do and you never get everything done on time it just worked out the way that it did and we feel blessed for it you know it's pretty awesome actually absolutely
3: now let i think we need to dive into the company a little bit to give our viewers a little bit more background on you specifically and then if you wouldn't mind uh telling us about infusion
4: sure so i i I always give my background in, in in one way first off i'm a board certified naturopathic doctor i've been in the natural products industry for going on 23 years professionally. Um, and even before that, with my family being in the in- industry since the 70s. But um, for myself, I've been here 23 years professionally. Before I started my first company, which was Probulin Probiotics, which is one of the wholly owned subsidiaries of Hemp Fusion Wellness Inc. Um, I started that company in 2013. Prior to that, I was with Country Life Vitamins. Um, they're a very well-known company that's approaching about 50 years in history. Um, it was a privately owned, privately owned company up until about 2006, when Myself and a couple other executives took it through an acquisition by Kikoman Foods. And so, and I stayed on there until about 2013. I was their chief science officer, but I also helped, you know, when it was a private company. Um, If you ever work for a private company with a very eccentric ownership, um, you pretty much do whatever they say whenever you are told to do it. And you just basically, you hold a million different positions in one week sometimes, you know, but so it was really an honest amazing time to learn how to build a business they don't teach you that in college they don't teach you that in medical school. they don't teach you that anywhere you kind of have to get that on the on the job and so it's really fun to be able to run every aspect of the business understand it and learn it in a special way especially exposure to places like the fda Mm -hmm. um, when you're in an arena that is highly regulated by the fda but if i had to give you one interesting fact about me um is uh, in 2011 why i started both of these companies and why why they became important is I was diagnosed with a, a disease called ulcerative colitis. And it's an inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I'm not suggesting my companies cured me or anything of that nature. Not, they didn't even exist. I mean, the idea of them didn't even exist yet. It is, however, what inspired me to do it. I had to go through traditional medical intervention, but interestingly enough, I was rabidly anti-cannabis. Like, I mean, rabidly. Like <laughs> if there was two people that had opposing, I mean, I'm talking belligerently opposing political views That's how hateful the conversation would probably be. And I think it's because if it's a product of when I grew up, you know, I grew up in that here's your brain on drugs kind of thing and say no to drugs. And I grew up in that era. And so we were programmed from a very young age to think that anything that was called a drug was a drug. And when I went through naturopathic medical school, they didn't teach anything about the endocannabinoid system. So quite honestly, I just was ill-equipped. So, when I started looking at the medications doctors were offering, I was like, geez, the side effects are worse than the disease I'm facing. This just isn't sitting well with me. I just, I can't buy into this. And one of my doctors called me a naturalist and I'm like, well, I went through medical school. So let's be clear. I, you know, I would say I was there, you know, I just didn't follow the same route you take, but you know, a little respect would be awesome. Anyway, we started talking and, um, I started doing my own research and I was exposed to a terpene that yes, is present in cannabis, but it's present in clove and black pepper and other places. So because if, they, if someone told me cannabis would have been a great answer, I would have said, no, nope, can't be. It's impossible. It's a drug, you know, whatever. And so I researched this terpene called beta caryophyllene And I learned about the endocannabinoid system, which led me to CBD and cannabis and all these other things. And I'm like, oh, I was wrong. I was really wrong. And so putting together hemp fusion was honestly an exercise initially at, apologetically of saying, all right, I was stupid i get it Hmm. we're going to put together a company that is meaningful for people and help to expose them to something that is far greater than what we had ever thought um but the big question we had is is it legal you know and that was that was our first thing was like geez, is this even legal can we even do this you know right
1: because it's one thing to look at it on the page and and say maybe i'm wrong about this Mm -hmm. uh did you try to get your hands on on something to make yourself feel better or any what was your access like i mean did you feel like you had to partake in order to you know, see the effects yourself?
4: It's a great question. So even in the beginning when I was turning the corner, I, I had to stay away from the marijuana side of things because I still had that. I was indoctrined, man. I mean, It's, it's so hard to break belief when you, when you honestly come by it naturally in your whole life. And so hemp-derived CBD just said, all right, I'm good with this, but THC, impossible. I'm totally different today. I understand the value of THC. I understand the value of these different cannabinoids now, yeah. way better than I did then. And even my my co-founding partners, it was kind of a funny transition for them because they were all you know fully into cannabis, and they're like, "Well, all right, Jason, we understand. We really hope you come along with THC here because as we build this, <laughs> we're going to you know." Anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, but Hemp Fusion is not a company associated with THC or marijuana. It's strictly industrial hemp for sure. Um, but you know, I had to turn a corner, and how I started doing it was through some interesting relationships in the raw material side, I would get raw material. I would get raw material that was a really broad array of different cannabinoids that did also obviously focus on a higher concentration of CBD, but the THC was virtually none and started to use experiment and play with it ourselves. The name hemp fusion, believe it or not, means hemp fused together with other things. Mm. Because, you know, one of my favorite phrases in medicine is by Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine. You know, it's more important what he didn't say. He didn't say let a singular isolated compound identified in a laboratory, double-blind placebo control. He didn't say that, you know. (laughs) He said let food itself, you know. So I'm thinking to myself going, there has to be more than just CBD. There has to be more than just these individualized cannabinoids. There's a great story in this hero plant. And I think plant needs to be front and center, not the ingredient we find in it, because it's very myopic to think that that's the only thing of value. It's just what our industry kind of grabbed onto these three little magical letters when there's over a hundred cannabinoids that are called minor, but I would say they may be minor in content, but not minor in effect, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think there's value and the idea of the entourage effect is not hype. It's real. I mean, there's research at the Hadassah school of medicine, the university of Jerusalem that says CBD by itself is you could experience a bell shaped curve dose response. And when you have all the others, you don't, you know I mean? It's kind of interesting that it works better when it's closer to nature so that's been a huge focus of us as a company since the beginning so
3: quick question you, you mentioned Probulin that that's the other yeah. company that yeah. was your first company and it is now a subsidiary of Hempfusion yes it is that's correct so yeah. how did that how, how did that happen did, yeah. did you start an umbrella company after your subsidiary or did you acquire yeah. your
4: other company so that's, it's a funny story. Um, so in 2013, um, I started Probulin and we launched our first products in July of 2014 and if I were to fast forward to today, according to SPIN syndicated data, Probulin is one of the fastest growing probiotics in the natural products industry. So we built it, we did a really good job with it, and you know we're in retailers like Sprouts and Whole Foods and, and all kinds of regional natural products retailers, and, and it's just a really exciting brand. In early 2019, we came in contact with Rad Capital, which is a really amazing group of people that enabled us to reach towards getting, um, you know, fundraising in a way that was so unique and very incredibly effective and was able to put us into the stratosphere and help, help us to see our mission come forward um, in the way that we wanted and help to you know build our dream really. Um, and so we'll forever be thankful um, to them and everything they've done for us. And so, and they're still with us even today um, on so many different ap- um, elements. So in the summer of 2019, after we completed our fundraising, one of the things that they wanted is they wanted Probulin to be merged together with, Hemp Fusion. We started hemp, I started Probulin in 2013, first products in 2014. Hemp Fusion we founded in 2015, first products in July of 2016. 2019 we merged the companies together. And then, um, which Hemp Fusion is a Nevada based corporation, Probulin is a K- Kansas based corporation, so both US. And because our investors were Canadian, we became a Canadian company. So Hemp Fusion Wellness, Inc. is a Canadian corporation. So complicated history there, but we're all one company now. So, you know. You're travelers. I I like that.
3: Uh, So, you know, there's something I have to ask you about. I I saw recently, you know, that Hemp Fusion is the most compliant publicly listed CBD brand. I, I need you to dive into that a little bit for me. No problem.
4: So one of the basis, um, if you remember, I said just a few minutes ago was that um, my first question to the group when we got together is I was like, man, I'm so in love with this now. I was opposed to cannabis and now all of a sudden hemp has just lit my mind on fire, but is it legal? Are we legal here? And at the time, all we had was this really, really not very well-defined farm bill. that was called the 2014 Farm Bill. And it was talking about where hemp can be used for industrial um, or for research purposes at approved um, university pilot programs and all that. And it was so baited. I was like, man, that doesn't sound very legal. Like, I mean, I mean, it sounds Mm kind of, it it sounds kind of gray area there. And so my goal was, is like, well, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right, not right away. And, and so many people want to do things right away that I think that they make a mistake. You know, they'll like, you'll see a lot of companies that went out, built a company significantly with dollars and sales that are very, very proud. And then they fell very fast. You know, there wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't long that they fell apart. And and I think it has a lot to do with, I think people lose sight of what's really, truly important. I call going into, two, um, um, into 2020 as what one of our IR guys, Danny, he was kind of funny he was saying this earlier today and it was just made sense to me, is that 2021, I believe is you know, hemp derived CBD 2.0. I think we're moving into a new evolution of the hemp CBD industry that I think is going to really separate the leaders from the unfortunate followers. And I, And I heard you mentioning... Um, something about consolidation and when that might happen, you know, and so I think consolidation already started last year, you can see it with some of the other um, companies where I don't have this, therefore, I'm going to go buy a company that does so that I can say that I have this now, you know, and so I think that some of the companies that were undercapitalized made mistakes, they realized they couldn't do what they really wanted to do, and but yet they had a good idea, and companies like ourselves are looking at them saying, hey, that's a really attractive idea, we could make it you know well, good use of that. So I think consolidation is going to happen, but I think the pending guidance that will eventually come from the FDA that are, is going to make all the difference. Now, when it comes to being the most compliant company, that's, our, that's what we believe we are, right? I, I believe that we are. Um, because I've had over 23 years um, dealing with dietary supplements, a lot of people believe that dietary supplements are not regulated. They're heavily regulated. We have something called the Code of Federal Regulations, um, Part 111, 117 it's all under the fda current good manufacturing practices i mean we have requirements on us that are very stringent and to be a dietary supplement there are strict rules and and in order to hear those rules it isn't just that it's not enough that the 2018 farm bill said they removed hemp from the controlled substances act now you have to fall in line with the food and drug cosmetic act and the dietary supplement health and education act and so There are laws that govern this, and the FDA still contends to this day that selling a dietary supplement that contains CBD is not legal. Hmm. Although they've also said, the director of the um, FDA has said very clearly, we have no intention of banning CBD. We just want to find the proper regulatory framework. But our biggest concerns are, one, safety. Human safety, making sure that what we're putting on the market for consumers, that they can trust and know that what they're consuming is safe for them. And the FDA has a right to question that. I really believe it because it's our responsibility as companies to go out and perform the necessary data that currently doesn't exist. And so we're one of the only companies that has gone through over two years worth of safety data or um, doing safety studies, verifying that what we're doing is actually safe. As soon as we publish our safety data, we will effectively be in compliance with the Red Book 2000 guidelines by the FDA in relationship to self-affirmed grass affirmation, which is generally recognized as safe. That means we will have gone through all the necessary elements to show that we're safe. Now, in addition, we partnered and helped to co-fund and co-sponsor what we believe to be one of the largest human observational liver and um, reproductive toxicology studies ever been done. And it was done in partnership with Validcare. Several other companies were involved and this study is designed not only in an it's not an animal model it's a human model it's actually real human users over a period of time being tested is it safe and this is information the fda wanted and so we took an the opportunity to invest in and involve ourselves in what i believe is going to be important groundbreaking work that likely the fda will use to form their official guidelines that's fantastic you know and, mm-hmm. and that's what we believe in and then our materials usda organic certified i mean we've gone to great lengths to take the risk away from our retail partners you know they have a high interest but a low threshold for risk we want right. to reduce the risk so our retail partners can feel very comfortable about doing business with a reputable company
3: now real quick we we unfortunately are running out of time here i do want to touch on uh some international efforts by you yes. guys uh if you wouldn't mind just uh telling us where are you going
4: no problem so in the United States, just really quickly, I'll tell you we've obviously started our um, our beginnings in natural products industry. We've moved into the food, drug, and mass big box, which is really exciting. We already have one successful partner that that'll become public very soon, um, and others that are targeted. We're moving. We're going to be moving into the doctor practitioner space, which is a really exceptional market. The convenience space. We're also um, going to be developing a huge effort, probably our single-handedly our biggest use of proceeds from this recent IPO fundraising event. Um, is the development of our e-commerce platform. Currently, right now, we're only about 6% of our sales are online. Um, We are going to drastically change that um, by what we're working on right now. And so we're very, very excited about that. But internationally, um, obviously, know the global markets has a tremendous interest in hemp and CBD, um, as well as probiotics, by the way. Um, Probiotics is kind of like our Trojan horse, if you will. Nobody has a regulatory problem with probiotics. They're pretty wide open, but we can go and be in the conversations, have products involved with all kinds of different retailers and international destinations, but all the while staying live with them in conversations about, Hey, you do know that we have a whole side of our business. That's hemp and CBD. What are your plans here and be in the conversations so that we can be one of the first in the consideration set. So we're a diversified company in that fact, besides the scientific fact that there's some crosstalk between the microbiome and the endocannabinoid system. It's pretty amazing that, That's research later, you know, but (laughs) anyway, we're, we're making our first entrance with hemp derived CBD products into Ireland this week and next week, which Mm -hmm. is really, really exciting. Um, We actually are, um, we'll be shipping our first shipments into Ireland with full acknowledgement from the food safety authority of, um, of uh, Ireland. Mm -hmm. And we're doing, we're performing our entrance into Europe and other places legally, There's some people that go that, um, quote, unquote, gray market idea where they just ship it in and hopefully they don't get caught. Understand, (laughs) authorities never forget. You want to make sure that you take the right path, because if you do, you'll be there forever. Like for the UK, you have to have your novel food filing before the end of March. And we're already well into this to where we will probably file way ahead of time. Now, Probulin is already available in South Korea, the UAE, Mexico. I mean... And we're going to be available in Ireland as well. So we're we're available in multiple locations internationally, and these conversations are already happening. So um, pretty exciting. Is the
1: is the pace of growth better abroad than it is here in in the United States, where regulatory framework is still kind of hindering for hemp players because of our I don't know DuPont tradition? Yeah. Well, if you you
4: exclude the COVID year, right? Like this asterisk year, I'll call it. yeah, I would say the international markets, um, especially in a much bigger way, were probably as interested. But I would say the same hurdles exist. I mean, they all kind of are all these different government institutions are wrapped up in their own underwear over this. And I wish they'd just get out of it because, you know, it's really not a bad plant. It's an amazing plant that's got huge benefits, and if nothing else, we'll have a heck of a lot less stress. So anyway, um, but there's some really good things happening, and I would say that everybody has wound up a little bit. So I would say it's about the same, honestly. Um, except in the U.S., it seems to be a little bit of a lower bar of entry in certain retail markets and so on than it is in other international destinations. But then in convenience, food, drug, and mass and so on, it's a little bit more difficult and takes a longer time. Yeah. And so I would say, yeah. you know, where co- some countries have a little bit easier of entry, um, they also have some difficulty in regulatory side. So I would say it's about a, ma- it's about a match, honestly. Yeah. Um, but the expansion in 2021 is going to be pretty special. Excellent. That's awesome.
3: Jason, I mean, honestly, incredible company. There's so many other topics we could discuss with you. Unfortunately, that is time, my friend, but congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> congratulations yes. on going public. Yes, thank like, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, best accent wall I've seen. Loving, loving that
4: that wall yeah. behind you, my friend. Well, you want to hear something funny? Because of COVID, my wife wanted me out of the kitchen because I like open area when I work. And she's like, <laughs> you need that. to go back into your office. So I affectionately called it the hole. So she actually is an interior decorator. So she decorated my office and said, will you go back to your home now?
1: <laughs> so Ooh, she cool. did well. Yeah, so she has our warm.
3: compliments on to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <right on. laughs> Looks great. Jason, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank Stay well. Thank Happy New part. Year. We'll talk Happy to you again. soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys,
4: too. Thank you very much. All right. Let's keep this show
3: rolling, man. Yeah. So much fun. Fusion's awesome. But honestly quick, quick change of pace, like left turn, sharp, Neon Mind. Yes. Uh, so excited to introduce Penny from Neon Mind. They too have some fun and exciting news. We're going to get her over shortly.
1: Um, neon Mind just went, uh, debuted on the Canadian Securities Exchange Monday under the symbol, guessed it. Neon. Mind. Oh, ne- no. I'm kidding. <laughs> Neon. Don't confuse no. them, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the listing comes after the com- company successfully closed its fully subscribed initial public offering on December 30th. So is she on deck? Is she here?
3: I, I, I see her. Penny, you might want, if you can get your video on. I think you're off mute now, though. Oh, now we're back. On. Hi
0: there. I'm just trying to figure my video off out here. Um...
1: So.
3: No worries. Zoom has gotten—it's still getting the best of me. I have yeah. already missed the mute button many times this week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't end up like that guy from the New Yorker. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'll explain to you later. Off the mic. It's <laughs> not family friendly. I love Penny. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll no. Chat until she gets uh, back on. Yeah. So no. So. Okay. All well, right, so. I'm sure she'll be back. But
3: no, Tony, I want your thoughts on the recent, we'll stick to uh, the Georgia runoffs, uh, what that means. I'm hearing a lot about the banking. Oh, Penny's back, but real quick, give us your quick one-sentence thought.
1: Uh, well, happy that uh, cannabis, is it's a game changer. The Georgia runoffs are a game changer for cannabis legalization um, going forward because both candidates are for it. So <laughs> yay. <laughs> yay, Penny, you're back. How are you? All right. Can you guys hear me? There, you yes, are. we can.
0: Okay, finally.
1: Look at that kitchen.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> I would love to yeah, cook it was a in little that dark kitchen. in my office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful.
3: Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Penny, got to start with the same question I just asked Jason. Do you feel different this week than you did last week?
0: I, not really. I mean, I, you know, I'm a little relieved that we finally got this IPO off the ground because we started uh, working on it in June and it felt like it took forever. And you may, you may be aware that when you're in prospectus, you're sort of in a quiet mode. You can't do too much. Mm -hmm. So it's been really frustrating not being able to do deals every week, which is what I like to do. So I'm excited to, uh, to get things moving now that we finally launched this week.
3: As somebody who may or may not be in sales, I can tell you I've had many quiet periods thrust upon me <laughs> when it comes to those going public. Um, yeah. But f- fantastic, Penny. We're happy to have you. I think we really want to get into the discussion about what Neon Mind does specifically. You guys have a really interesting uh, product that's in, I think, preclinical trials that I really want to get to as well. But could you tell us a little bit about Neon Mind?
0: absolutely so we're in the psychedelics industry which is a great place to be right now super exciting Um, we're actually conducting research into potentially therapeutic uses of psilocybin and we have an amazing team of scientists and medical professionals whose expertise is really around um, mental health and addiction so about a year and a half ago when we started looking at where we could maybe develop some uh, proprietary intellectual property. We actually did a full search of all the patents that were filed in the US and Canada. And, you know, everybody kind of knows oh, yeah, psychedelics can treat depression, they can treat PTSD. Um, people are generally aware that they, there's a lot of potential for addiction. So we're trying to find something, a unique avenue. And we decided to pursue the treatment of obesity. And at the beginning, when we started doing this, there was a little bit of skepticism saying, you know, this is not. good match psychedelics treating you know trying to help you lose weight but as we got into the science um you know the doctors and the scientists got really excited and they said actually we think this is gonna work so um it's been it's been really fun so the past year we've basically been putting together um, our plans for our preclinical trial, it was a bit of work to get that started. We're still early stages really here in uh, in the world. I mean in Canada too. To get approval from Health Canada to find the psilocybin to conduct the trial was a bit of a challenge at first. It, so it took us, you know, we started working on this about a year ago. We just got into our preclinical trials uh, in November at the University of British Columbia.
3: Does going public help you, I guess, further that? I'm curious as to why go public now?
0: Uh, well, First of all, we like to give our investors a liquidity event and allow them to sell into the market. And uh, there's, you know, it's very easy to raise money right now as a public company. So we just finished raising about, uh, well, we did a $4.6 million raise on our IPO, which was fully subscribed, oversubscribed. Mackie Research Corp ended up uh, basically exercising their full over allotment option. So there's a lot of interest there and I know we can do more financing if we want to, and we want to access more capital. So when you raise money as a private company, you're, you're raising a different type of money. It's a different kind of game. So my experience is in the capital markets. I know I can deliver value to the shareholders. You know, investors are confident putting in money when they know they're going to have immediate liquidity.
1: Yeah. And I want to uh, just note that it was an oversubscribed IPO process. So there was yeah. the excitement was there, but I want to uh, just zero in quick awesome. um, on the science aspect of it because yeah. I think to the the average listener, or maybe even those who are loyal Benzinger readers and and viewers on this channel, w- what differentiates uh, Neon Mind from I guess the uh, the three AM ad that you see of you know how to lose weight? Because to say that psychedelics uh, um, can help you offset obesity, a lot of folks might you know, squint at that, or, or, you know, cock their head at that. So walk us through the science aspect of it a little bit.
0: Sure. And I mean, I'm not a scientist. So you know, I'll get one of my scientists on the show to give you give you a better description. (laughs) But, uh, but I can give you an overview. So the basic theory behind it is that uh psilocybin is an agonist for serotonin serotonin is what controls your appetite and your eating habits and then the eating habits themselves are governed by the mind and psychedelics have tremendous impact on the mind so there's a couple different avenues um, and a couple different reasons why psychedelics we think psychedelics will work to create weight loss and to treat obesity um, one is that basically when you when you have an eating disorder You know, it's it's based on certain habits and uh, certain functions of the serotonin receptors. So psychedelics now has been sort of demonstrated to have a great effect on that, and to be able to sort of wipe your mind clean when combined in a therapeutic setting. So you're wiping out whether it's trauma you know, it's depression, if it's bad habits is our theory, you can wipe out as well. And basically set your mind to um, basically follow new patterns of behavior. And it's it's behavior patterns really that govern obesity, because obesity is primarily governed by what you eat. Mm. So we're basically trying to create a therapy that will allow people to adopt healthier behavior patterns. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But there is another aspect, which is kind of interesting, is just the pure metabolic effect of psilocybin. And this is something that a lot of people might be surprised by. But, um, you know, so far, the early, early work that we've done shows that psilocybin could potentially help people lose weight, even without the therapy. Um, So, you know, we're also investigating the potential to microdose using psilocybin as sort of um, an increased metabolic effect, Um, but likely we'll combine it with the sort of major session that you do on psilocybin that's guided by a therapist that helps you develop um, better mind patterns to adopt better behavior and hopefully better eating habits.
3: Can I get in your preclinical trial? (laughs) well the
0: preclinical trial um is not involving humans so no uh,
3: (laughs) i have a wedding i got a wedding Um, coming up and i gotta lose some weight
0: (laughs) i know everybody does right with covid um you know we're not sure where we're gonna where we're gonna have it i mean we might do it in canada we might do it in the u.s we're just putting together our team we have some really amazing doctors on board right now and some great contract research organizations that we're talking to and uh I'm not even sure how many people will be in the trial, but this is basically our main area of, uh, of work that we're gonna be doing for the next four months. So we think we're gonna have um, a lot of that worked out. We're getting the results from our preclinical trials at you know in the clinic at UBC right now. And so with all the data on dosing that we're getting and some of the effects of psilocybin on weight loss that we're getting now, um, we're gonna be able to put together the protocols to make an application to Health Canada, or it may be the, that we're dealing with the FDA. So there have been no humans so far in the clinical trials? No, we haven't started the human clinical trial yet. Okay. Um we're basically putting that together. So we just started the um just the preclinical and uh now all the protocols are getting put together for the next steps.
3: Okay. Does the you know the this starting to open up Uh, within the markets here in the U.S. excite you at the current time uh, with Oregon. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, a a city in Michigan or a county in Michigan is now legal and a few other markets.
0: You know, I think it's amazing. Like, I really believe in the therapeutic effect and ability of psychedelics to treat people. And so um, you know, seeing what Health Canada is doing, seeing what um, Oregon is doing, different cities in North America, by allowing patients to access psilocybin, by decriminalizing it, I think that's a huge uh, benefit to society. I don't think these drugs should be criminalized myself. Um, so, yeah, it's super exciting. It's great for the people that live there. It doesn't help us too much when they're doing stuff in Oregon. Um, but, you know, there's, there's definitely a commercial opportunity there for whoever wants to go down to oregon we actually in another company we launched a line of cannabis topicals in oregon and uh you know it's it's really that's really exciting but it's it's also very difficult to run a business in another country when you can't cross the border for all kinds of reasons and you can't move your money out of state so i mean in terms of the commercial um opportunity i think the big opportunity is in drug development one follow-up
3: question there real quick tony if you don't mind sure um you, you know I guess true or false here, you know, psychedelic companies would like to be uh, separated from cannabis in, in terms of your journey uh, to legalization, in terms of, you know, how you all are perceived uh, or is that oversimplifying it?
0: Um, I mean, you know, cannabis companies in the early days, you know, they were, it was medical cannabis, Right. Mm -hmm. So I think now we look at cannabis from the perspective of, okay, now it's recreationally legal in Canada. It's, it's completely different. It's a consumer packaged goods in some cases, you know, so it's um, I think psychedelics is, is, I don't really see it ever being legalized in Canada as a recreational drug. Right. But I think it has enormous therapeutic potential. So, um, you know, there's some common themes. For example, uh, it's a restricted substance. I mean, all psychedelics are restricted substances right now. Cannabis was a restricted substance for a long time. So there's a lot of expertise from the cannabis industry that can apply to the psychedelic industry, which is why you see a lot of people doing both, you know, Mm. participating in both industries. And, you know, where else are you going to get that expertise? Because psychedelics have been illegal for 50 years. So for example, our medical team, our scientific team, um, translational life sciences, um, you know, they're very active in uh, trying to develop treatments for, Uh, drug addiction using cannabis so they had actually put together a potential clinical trial using CBD to treat cravings and that you know that was an area that got me really interested in what TLS was doing and what the doctors that we're now working with were doing and so all of the doctors we're working with have tremendous amount of experience in cannabis and in mental health and in addictions and we're really working to see where maybe there could be some treatments developed around cannabis however um, the potential for psychedelics to heal, I think, is just so much more that anybody that I met who was working in cannabis in terms of thinking about doing a clinical trial or thinking about developing you know, a cannabis treatment for somebody who's suffering from some kind of mental illness, when they started to see the results of psychedelics, um, it just it's, it's a game changer. Like, it's fascinating for scientists and medical professionals to see what can be done. I mean, it's revolutionary and, tr- and it's transformational.
1: So in November, Neon Mind launched a line of non-psychedelic functional mushroom products. Yes. Wouldn't that just be mushrooms? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's <what>? mushroom? <laughs> well, as a layperson, like walk me through, like that why that. Um, I guess the emphasis on non-psychedelic functional mushrooms. Well, first
0: of all, we like to use big words because it makes us sound sophisticated. <laughs> but these,
1: these mushrooms are infused with coffee and um, other medicinal uh, well, features. Well, sort of
0: a, the other way around. It's sort of like very high-end delicious coffee infused with medicinal functional mushrooms. So, you know, there's a whole like cult following of people who believe that some of these medicinal mushrooms are really, really good for you. I- I'm one of them. Uh, you know, things like cordyceps, lion's mane, um, there's all kinds of different mushrooms that have. There's there's been thousands and thousands of clinical trials which show different benefits of all these mushrooms going going back for many many years. um You know, if you ever want to learn more about what the mushroom can do, watch the movie Fantastic Fungi, or read anything by Paul Stamets. You probably Paul
1: Stamets. Know. Yeah, I tried to yeah. interview him, but he's a busy he's a busy guy. It's hard yeah, to pin him uh, down. Yeah.
0: I bet. I bet. I mean, that movie is fascinating, and it kind of talks about how. I mean, they think that we evolved from mushrooms, which is kind of cool. That's what the movie said. Which which also is the
1: plot of Super Mario Brothers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Uh. Well played, um, but I mean, you know, there's a, there's a serious docu- well-documented health benefit from medicinal mushrooms. And somehow this whole psychedelic movement, as far as it is in going in the capital markets, it somehow has included the medicinal mushroom. And I think it's because people are, are kind of realizing psilocybin is a big part of the psychedelic movement. Psilocybin is a mushroom. LSD comes from a fungus, which comes from a mushroom. So it's kind of like this awakening that what are these mushrooms and what else can they do? And let's, let's take a look. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of health benefits from the ones that don't get you high. So if you take lion's mane, you know, maybe it actually rebuilds parts of your brain. You know, so we have this, all these different great mushrooms in our coffees, so you could just sip them every day. And the reason we did that was because originally we, we, Neon Mind was incubated by a consumer packaged goods company, which is Better Plant Sciences. So we were doing cannabis topicals and we were doing skin products and body products made from all natural ingredients. And so for us to put together sort of an organic, delicious coffee line infused with mushrooms, Um, was really easy and we looked at the leading brand out there and we kind of said let's taste what they got let's taste what what is on the market right now for for mushroom coffee because we're noticing like consumers are interested in it and four sigmatic is the name of the brand and you know we bought like every product they have, we tasted them all decided they all tasted terrible <laughs> yeah for sigmatic you know it's 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 a huge success story it's i don't know exactly what the revenues are now but it's definitely the leader in the space and a lot of people like if you've ever if you've ever been into for you know functional mushrooms you'll know the company and so when we put together our coffees and we we taste tested them it took us about a year to get the flavor right And we came out with a flavor that we think is the best thing on the market. We thought, okay, this is amazing. Let's launch them. So we did launch these four, um, Delicious coffees in November. And uh, they're all available at neonmind.com, which is our direct-to-consumer e-commerce platform. Right now they're just available in Canada. There's a slightly different set of regulations on the packaging for the US, which we'll have ready to go probably in a few months. Um, and you know, the the response has been great. People actually like the taste. Like when people first hear mushroom coffee they think that sounds really gross but <laughs> the cool thing is not only do they taste great because we've used like colombian organic coffee grinds yeah, you know for the coffees stuff. and all really nice ingredients these are coffees you would drink anyways because they're delicious but there's actually a bit of a kick when you drink them and no it's not psilocybin <laughs> which is why i want to make it yeah. really clear that they're non-psychoactive um but there's other there's other great ingredients there which make you feel really really good yeah, um and i think that's things. It's part of the wellness movement. You know, people are starting to realize that, you know, you are what you eat and you're what you drink and you can feel good by putting the right things in your body. So that's kind right. of part of that.
3: Yeah. Uh awesome. Penny, I wanna give you a really quick, if you can in, in like a minute, tell us a little bit about the new addition to your uh executive team. Uh, Chief Psychedelic Officer.
0: Yes, yes, it's so exciting. Um, Trevor Miller has joined our team as Chief Psychedelic Officer. And, I mean, you might be wondering, what what does a Chief Psychedelic Officer do? (laughs) Um, You know, it's kind of a new role we created. We weren't the first company to appoint a chief psychedelic officer. I've seen a few other companies do it. And um, we kind of saw it as an opportunity to bring somebody in at an executive level with a really solid background from the psychedelic industry. And that's what Trevor has. I mean, he was, um, you know, he's been involved in the psychedelic movement since 2012, both as a um, healer um, and as as a having a key role in some really big organizations. So he's been... Uh, he was chair of the board for maps Canada for about two and a half years um, he's still a member of the board so he's been a, a member since about uh, I guess 2018 um, he's also um, he's also a founder of the Canadian Psychedelic Association and he's a member of the board um, so that's another nonprofit organization this one he co-founded and I mean if we go back and think about maps like I don't know you guys familiar with maps maps and maps Canada
3: I've heard of it. I I wouldn't say I'm an expert.
0: Right. So that's a pretty amazing organization that Mm -hmm. was established in 1986. You know, so that's going way back. So I'd say they are the pioneers of Mm -hmm. this industry. And um, what they've done is, is nothing short of absolutely amazing. So they've taken MDMA assisted psychotherapy um, for the treatment of severe post-traumatic stress disorder. They've taken it through phase two and phase three clinical trials. And I think recently announced that they think that they'll get FDA approval um, to bring MDMA as a drug to, to treat people with something that you know, wasn't easily treated before. And they've been just a huge, huge uh, supporter of any kind of psychedelic-based research, of increased access to... Th- psychedelic treatment of improved laws um, improving access and so uh, you know to have Trevor Miller who's been working with them as their chair in MAPS Canada for the past you know two and a half years it's pretty amazing to have him on our team Mm -hmm. and so part of what his role is with us is just helping us recognize that there are huge uh, potential benefits to um, to to consumers, like to clients and to communities through psychedelics, and we don't want to lose sight of that. Yes, we're you know we're, we went public and you know we have patents and or we're applying for patents and we're you know we have a drug development pipeline and and you know we'll continue to build out our business, but at the same time. Uh, I think psychedelics is a little bit different than some other industries. I think it needs extra care, um, starting right at the top at the board or the officer level. And so, you know, Trevor's there to remind us, okay, we're doing this for the greater good. Yes, we are, you know, we're an enterprise that is trying to make profits, but there could be more to this. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's taking away from anything we're doing in terms of becoming profitable, but it's just, keeping in mind the bigger impact that we can have as a psychedelic company at the forefront of an industry. And he himself, like for over five years, he was actually, um, he had his own company called Liberty Root Therapy. And he was personally treating people with Ibogaine um, for people that had opiate use disorder. And so back then it was totally legal. This is before uh, Ibogaine got rescheduled um, as a restricted substance. So he has tremendous amount of experience actually helping people um, get over like these life-threatening problems and and, becoming healthy. And uh I don't know if you've seen a movie called Dost. Have you guys? I don't know. Or have you? No,
3: I've not. I've okay. heard again Who's I've heard. heard. You
0: have to watch the movie Dosed. It's it's set in Vancouver. Um Trevor's actually featured in it. It's, it's a, a documentary? Story. It's a documentary, yeah. It's a story about a woman who is she you know, she has a drug addiction and she's sort of hanging out in the Lower East Side of Vancouver. Um, She wants to get her life together. She's having, you know, people always have trouble getting off drugs. There's lots of reasons for that. Um, And she's gonna try this novel treatment of Ibogaine and it ends up being uh, combined with some psilocybin treatment. And, you know, the story has a happy ending, but um, it's it's a really great movie. And, you know, it really opened my eyes in a big way to, to see the potential uh, that mm-hmm. psychedelics have to heal people. And, you know, living in Vancouver, you, you see what's going on in the Lower East Side. And, you know, if you ever drive by there, you have, you've maybe lost somebody you love or you know somebody's lost somebody they loved that they love to that. It's really devastating. Yeah. And if there's anything that we can do as, as people or as companies or anything to help solve that problem, I think, uh, you know, that's a great thing. So, mm-hmm. so I love what Trevor's done with that. I, I love that movie. I saw him in the movie. Um, You know, he's been working with maps for three years. He's got just just an amazing network of people around the world who are trying to help through psychedelics and who are trying to build exciting businesses through psychedelics so you know he's going to be our key point person in terms of looking at potential acquisitions um, looking at alliances right now we have one drug in development we've, we've talked about that a little bit the the psilocybin to treat weight loss but you know with the with the um, scientific team we have being in the capital markets being able to raise money you know we want to get a few more projects underway. So, you know, Trevor's advising us on where he sees the potential and he's making the introductions to us as well. That's awesome.
3: Penny, honestly, incredible company. CSE Neon, that's N-E-O-N. Where can, your website is neonmind.ca?
0: Yes, we have two websites. If you wanna buy our coffee, you can go to neonmind.com. And then neonmindbiosciences.com is our um, investor relations company um, Fantastic.
3: Uh, yeah. I will be visiting both very shortly. Awesome, <laughs> Penny. Thanks, we really guys. appreciate you being here with us today. Incredible insights into your space, into your company. Uh, excited that you uh, added Trevor. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. got some movies to watch. Yeah, you do.
1: Awesome. Me <laughs> too. Thanks, awesome.
0: guys. It's been really fun. Cheers.
1: Thanks, Penny. Be Take well. care, Penny. Bye. Speaking of movies, Elliot, let's. I'm going to leave you with one bit of trivia. What classic Golden Age movie star had a penchant for psychedelics and was nicknamed Captain Trip? I've heard the Captain Trip part before,
3: but I didn't know the first
1: part. I when would I press think- for time. So answer is Terry Grant. Oh he's uh, a big psychedelics guy. And wow. I'm sure he would have loved Penny White.
3: Yeah, well, he would have been the celebrity influencer <laughs> yes, that we're always talking have. about in cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> he would have went viral. Awesome. awesome. Great show today. It uh CSE neon, TSX, CBD.u, uh new tropic, uh, awesome companies. Great start to the year, Tony. It was a pleasure to do
1: it with you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Um, Thank you for offering me an hour of escape from this crazy world that we live (laughs) in. It was really fun to just not think about stuff for a while and just talk cannabis and psychedelics. Amen. Well, let's do it again soon, my friend. But everybody else, thank you
3: again for joining us. Uh, We will see you next week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another great show. Uh, Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost.
1: Hello downloads in no time.
3: Plus unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison
1: is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband.